Hashtag African narrative, how African media covers the continent, a story that is all too relevant, especially in these times. According to the executive director of African No Filter, Ms. Moki Makura, who is on the line to have this conversation with us, one third of all African stories in news outlets on the continent are sourced from foreign news services. This is according to the report African No Filter that highlights how African media covers news developments on the continent. The report surveyed some 38 African editors, analyzed content from 60 African news outlets in 15 countries, and facilitated focus groups were held with 25 editors of African media, editors of Pan-African outlets, and indeed international correspondents. The results confirm challenges and experiences that are common knowledge within the industry. Advertising revenue and newsrooms are shrinking. The SABC knows about this. This influences the kinds of news that Africans read. Further, some 63% of outlets surveyed don't have correspondents in other countries in Africa. This, of course, then illustrates the limitations that newsrooms have to produce nuanced and contextualized content for the continent that does not fall on old stereotypes, does not feed old stereotypes, and does not, therefore, establish and indeed sustain a narrative that is antiquated. Ms. Moki Makura, the executive director of African No Filter, knows a lot more about this, and she's on the line. Good evening, Moki. Thank you so much, ma'am, for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. Thank you. Good evening. First things first, Africans are not telling essentially their story. That is a problem. Despite whatever challenge has been highlighted, that on its own should be of our concern. Well, that's exactly what we set out to find um, because the, the report we did and the research we did was actually analyzing African media. I think there's always been this perception that, you know, Western media are the problem. But what we found with this report that African media are the ones who are telling the stories that are not terribly nuanced, that, you know, that contribute to that sort of old-fashioned perspective of Africa, you know, being in poverty, that we've got poor leadership, corruption, conflict, and disease. That's who we are, that single story. And it was interesting to unpack that, and that's when we found out that the reason for that a lot of the time is because a lot of news, um, news outlets on the continent, because they cannot realistically have correspondence in all 54 countries, are reliant on on the Western news services like mm. AFP and BBC. In fact, AFP and BBC, between them, between them, mm. those two organizations made up a quarter of all of the stories we analyzed. But what was interesting, and I'll just add this quickly, that when we, we did a number of focus groups as well, and one of the editors actually said that, you know what, her journalists, what they do is they listen to either BBC um, mm. World on the radio or they watch the TV and then they make their report from what they're seeing and hearing from the BBC's um, coverage. So we are not holding the pen for our stories. We're not the ones writing African stories. And the challenge for us, um, because African Assault is concerned about narratives, the narratives about yes. Africa and within Africa. Yes. And our concern is that somebody sitting in South Africa knows little about somebody sitting in Mali, in Mauritania, in Zambia, because the stories we hear about each other are not written by us. 
And and where they are written by us, they often feed that narrative. So we, you know, very few people know about the amazing people in, in Zambia and Mali, and, you know, because those are not the stories that get covered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The stories that get covered largely about other African countries in African media outlets as events-driven, their politics, their conflict, they're the stories of, you know, bad elections. Yes. You know, take the story of, um, in Uganda now, the story of NSARS. They don't write about the profiles amazing innovators. They don't write about the tourism, you know, that is offered in different countries. Um, they don't write about, or, or we don't see a lot of these other soft stories that we call, you know, we call feature stories, human interest stories. And that's basically what the report um, showed us. And it's worrying because this is us. This is us as Africans Absolutely doing this to worrying. ourselves. Especially worrying for me is that statistic where you say the BBC... British Broadcasting and the AFP Association France Per Se account for a quarter of the stories on the continent. Mm. Now, I can't at all think of this outside the patterns of colonialism where France Mm. and Britain were the protagonists at the Berlin Conference in the carving up of the continent. These are now the vestiges that continue to sustain, if you will, the legacies of colonialism, albeit using news source, but I mean the media and its power to sustain stories and therefore run economies and politics particular lines, I mean politics along particular lines, gives them, if you will, these British and French um, countries the kind of supremacy or continued authority or hold, if you will, over Mm -hmm. the continent. Surely that should be as worrying as anything else that the report uncovered. Well, well, you know, absolutely. But I think one thing that we need to, we, we need to be clear about is I don't know that the BBC or AFP is doing this deliberately because there is a news agenda. Yes. You know, the news, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. So, you know, to hold them purely responsible when actually a lot of it is to do with just the way news is covered, I think, it, you know, does a disservice because the BBC actually is one of the organizations that has probably done the most to, to, to share stories that don't feed that narrative. And if you look at a lot of the stories, they, because they have 300 journalists in Kenya covering the continent. So no other African outlet can compete with that. So they're actually getting better stories. But the point is, mm. the BBC is paid for by British taxpayers' money. One of the Africa editors working at the BBC still says, even though you know, she works in this organization, says that the BBC's coverage of Africa feeds a narrative that I think is stereotypical and is outdated. So, you know, regardless of whether it is, you know, um, people are doing this on purpose or whether it's just the way the news is, the outcome is that there are other people who are not necessarily Africans mm-hmm. who are driving the narrative. They are telling African stories. And we as Africans need to, A, know it, because once we know it, we can do something Absolutely. about it. And B, we do need to do something about it. And that's why we, we, we did the report. We've, we've gone very big with trying to get the, the, the message out that, you know what, we need to empower our own media. So we need to get to the bottom of understanding why do media not cover Africa? Is it because Africans are not interested in stories of other Africans? Which, by the way, is, is one response we had from one of the editors. Um, she said, well, look, I don't have any African coverage, any, anything outside of South Africa. Um, just to let you know, it was a South African outlet because I don't think my readers, this is quote unquote, are interested in Africa. That can't possibly be true. Well, this quote unquote, but if you look at this particular publication, she doesn't really have coverage um, on Africa. And maybe unless it is 
global news or made huge news. But then you have to assume that the outlets now have the money to buy AFP or Reuters news because that's the alternative or they just, you know, pick it up, you know, on the radio listening to the BBC, which is what they do. I'm concerned that there is this belief or statistics that speak to the statement that this particular community that the editor comes from is not interested in African stories. That's why I I want to object almost and say that surely cannot be true. Well, I think we need to do, you know, maybe more research with people to understand, are you interested? But the thing with surveys is that people just generally say they are, but you have to look at what drives um, media. And if they put out a story on Africa and they get, you know, everything is driven by clickbait now, who's Mm -hmm. looking at what? That sort of drives a lot of what media put out there. And, you know, you'll see it's not the African stories because, to be honest, people are tired of, you know, political um, conflict and, and, and stories about elections and, and bad leadership and journalists being locked up. These are the kind of stories that constantly happen. And, you know, so if I could tell you what I know sitting in South Africa today, what I know about Zimbabwe is that they lock up journalists. What do I know about um, Uganda is that they, you know, it's not free and fair elections possibly. And that, yeah. you know what, Bobby Wine was locked up. I don't know anything more because nothing else is reported. And editors will have to, you know, can answer to that and say, well, we'd we'd put it out if it was there or we'd put it out if there was interest. And I think the important thing is with things like the Africa continental free trade area Mm -hmm. opening up and Africans being encouraged to trade with each other, that is not going to happen unless Africans trust each other. That currently doesn't happen because we don't know each other. So there are bigger implications to this. We actually need to figure out what is it that makes people interested. And one of the things that we've realized is that, you know what, a story is a story is a story. You know, so we, we need to stop saying these are stories from, you know, Uganda or stories from Zimbabwe and start telling stories. This is a story of, of you know, LGBTQI issues, but it happens to be in Uganda. This is a story of an amazing young person who created this innovation or the young people recently I saw again, it was on the BBC, I think, you know, young Nigerians who've created this robot that is taking medication to, to people with COVID so that the... the yeah. um, the hospitals don't, you know, the, the staff don't have to do that. That's not a story of Nigeria. That is a story of innovation and creativity just so happens that it takes place in Nigeria. So we've got to start pitching stories as stories rather than this is a story about Africa, because I think that's what turns people off. You know, people want to read great stories, and that's what we need to train media to deliver and encourage them to deliver. And I, I believe that if you get great stories, they come out of the continent people will read them. There's a case then in all of what you have said that I'm picking up, and perhaps you can speak better to it, of the responsibility and or obligation. Social, economic, political, you name it, I'm talking about that, of the state and its state-sponsored media house to ensure that there is this presence of the media one, of course, in the host country, but particularly in the region, for the purposes of getting these stories out together with the point that was raised initially of producing nuance, of producing context, Mm. of getting the story out, and then anybody else outside, if you like, the host of the story or the domestic environment, your BBCs, your CNNs, your AFPs, your Reuters, your Al Jazeera's, they pick up from the source 
not the other way around, as for the most part is the case. Surely? But that, that is the way it should be. But I, I do want to point something out about, you know, particularly state-owned media, and maybe not so much in South Africa, but the SABC being one, is that, you know, a lot of state-owned media, and even media generally on the continent, very politicized, in that a lot of it is there to prop up the government in some cases. Mm-hmm. And where private sector or individuals enter the media market, there's normally an agenda, there's normally an agenda for most media. So that's actually what drives a lot of the coverage. So that's why you'll find that most, if you look at, if you analyze most content, like media content, I mean, normal newspapers, a lot of it is about politics. And it's not that people are interested in politics. It's that that is what is driving the editors. That's what, you know, that's what you need to put out. And what you're finding is that people are just moving off. This is, it's an all-time high, the levels of distrust with media brands. People just don't trust what they read in the media anymore. So they're finding alternative sources. And that's, you know, happening online. And, you know, it's just, you know, bloggers have come up. There's fake fake news, there's misinformation, disinformation. But that's as a result of, I wonder whether or not media editors are actually understanding what their readers want. Um, But that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, again, a lot of it, again, and what we've said, or what we found in the research is that a lot of the editors were saying the advertisers don't need it don't want it, don't ask us for it. And they're the ones who actually dictate what we put out there. They literally own those publications. So they have to write what advertisers want because the, the traditional model for media is still advertising revenue-driven until we find a different model for it that we're going to continue to do that or, or have that situation. In the final sentence or two, what is the one thing that is a non-negotiable for turning around all of this in literally a sentence or two because that's how much time I have? <laughs> Okay, well, I, I don't know that there's one thing. There's a couple of things, but I'll tell you what sure. Afghan Filter is doing. We are starting up what we're calling a story agency, similar to Reuters or AFP, that focuses entirely on soft news stories, human interest stories, stories mm-hmm. of tourism, profiles, and we're offering it free because we are a not-for-profit because that's other challenge. Media in Africa does not have the revenue to do it. They don't have the money. So we're supplying these stories in the hope that once we start generating this content, they will see there's an opportunity for it. And we're giving readers hopefully what they want. Hopefully we'll be able to kind of change the narrative because we're now seeing that the stories are being written by Africans. They're reflecting more kind of contemporary images about the continent um, and, the, and the country. So hopefully we'll see a change. But it's, called, it's a story agency. That's essentially one of the solutions we're giving. Well, I'll tell you what, in looking for the second solution that we don't know about yet, I'm going to invite you back on this platform where perhaps you can even host the show. So interesting this conversation was between ourselves. Mine for now is simply to say thank you so much, Moki. Thank you very much for the time. Ms. Moki Makura, Executive Director at Africa No Filter. That then was one, the African narrative. It's now done, how African media covers the continent. And which is more, the end of tonight's show. Thanks especially then to Ndadele Chisatsinori, who is the Deputy Speaker of the National Parliament, for hosting today's hashtag Tuesday Takeover. Bye-bye, everybody.